Fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Emmett. And I'm a wheezing bag of tips. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did you have that written down? Was that prepared? It's it's the sixth note I have from oh, watching wow. the movie. It's a Did quote. you cross it out? You're like, got that one. No, I crossed out. I've, Wheezing bag. Okay, there's a moment, a very serious moment in this movie where he doesn't make a joke. And so I was writing, he doesn't make a joke when it's serious. Like the writers know what to do. And then right. he did. And so I crossed it out. Sure. Never mind. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to say all that again because um, we're probably going to have to hit this one again. Fresh out the oven. It's Cinema Bums. And I am Emmett. And I'm Face. Cinema <laughs> All right, and it stopped the podcast. What's, what's happening? You're not allowed to laugh. Are you not allowed to laugh on this show? Right. Well, I'm trying to get through the opener without. Okay, fresh out the oven. It's cinema bums. I'm a spackled motherfucker. <laughs> I was trying to think of what that one was. Fresh out the oven. It's cinema bums. I'm Emmett, and I'm Wade Wilson. I'm trapped in a podcast. Cinema Get Bums. Get me out of this audio device. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in a popular film franchise, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are continuing our miniseries X23 about Fox's X-Men films. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will try not to spoil any future entries in the series. Hey, Chandler. Hi. How are you doing? I'm a topographical map of Ohio. <laughs> That's what we're doing, right? Oh, yeah. Just do quotes on this. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wade, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. Good. Well, today we're honored to have a special guest. He is a writer, actor, and trumpet player, but is perhaps best known to our audience for being the location scout for Disney's live-action Mulan. Wow. It is Chandler Pennington. <laughs> Woo! Several of those things were true. Actually, just one. Trumpet uh, thank player. you for being here, Chandler. Hey, yeah, it's genuinely my pleasure. Uh, what is your previous experience, Chandler? Is that like you... my X Men experience? Yeah, your X Men. Are you experienced? <laughs> well, I didn't read the comic books or anything. I think I came to the movies late. Okay, I don't think I saw any of the X X number mm-hmm. in-theaters. Come to think of it, Deadpool might be the only X Men movie I've seen in theaters. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. I don't know. I think I saw First Class in theaters. Okay. But I think that was the only other one. But I've seen them. Okay. Except for some of the more recent X-Men. Right on. We're in we're in the same boat on that. We haven't yeah. seen like the most two recent ones. Yeah. Now, what what are your general feelings on the series as a whole as as it right as now? far as films or just like the 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 franchise, the, the IP? franchise, the concept, the I, films. Uh, it's always been very I don't know if this is the right word, very foreign to me. There's Mm -hmm. just so many different things Mm. that I've never felt like I could even begin. Even when I did do a little bit of comic books, and I never did much, Uh X-Men felt like just so far away. Yeah. Like I watched, I read like one comic book and I just didn't understand a word of it because everything is a proper noun (laughs) and every other word is man, but that's all I get. Yeah. Today we are talking about the movie Deadpool from Mm -hmm. 2016. This is the first R-rated movie in ever. the X-Men franchise ever. It's the first R-rated film ever. They, in fact, invented the R rating for yeah. this film. 
It's um, the two live crew of movies. But it doesn't matter because that was a thing with Deadpool. People brought their kids in, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like everyone said, like, this is going to happen. And then it did. And then mm. Parents are so dumb. Sorry. So, so yeah. parents will bring their kids to anything. anything. Parents will. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's just like, I want to see this movie. I'm going to take my kid to it. As a fan of your show, I know you guys discuss that a lot. So. Thank you. Always happy to meet a fan. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, My mom never took me to see anything like this. I wouldn't have wanted her to, but she did take my brother to see this. I think he would have been 14 in the theaters. Wow. I mean, not take kind of makes it sound like she had saw it and then she was like, you're going to love this. Come on. But they did see it together in wow. the actual theaters. Amazing. Wow. Uh, this is like has nothing to do with anything other than just like awkward movies to watch with your mom i rented and watched the hangover with my mother Mm, i saw the other guys with my grandpa he didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) okay so this movie is about deadpool yeah Uh, it's kind of his origin story it's really takes place as wade explained to me earlier in three scenes the beginning the middle and the end (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and it is about how Deadpool became a superpowered mutant with like the extra extra quick healing abilities, like even faster than Wolverine. Um, he's super proficient with knives and blades and things and shooting people. He gets his super gene unlocked by an evil scientist who's going to turn him into a super slave. Um, but then he breaks out of that and then spends a couple years just killing people for money. And then... His girlfriend, or his ex-girlfriend, um, who's played by the incredible uh, Marina Baccarin, who uh, listeners will remember from our episodes on Firefly, um, <laughs> she is just incredible, reprising her role from that show as the prostitute with a heart of gold. Hey, you can't take the sun away from me. Is that the song? Sky from me. You can't take the sky from me. Well, you're such an well, embarrassment. Here's a man who knows a thing about Firefly. <laughs> right. That's the one thing I know about Firefly. Light up in the night. Is that Marina Baccarino was in it. So Marina Baccarin gets kidnapped and then Deadpool goes and rescues her. It's a really, honestly, plot-wise, very straightforward if it weren't for all like the back and forth timeline stuff mm-hmm. of just like inner cuts. That is what's going on in this film. Wade, would you uh, care to give us the stats? Yep, this film was directed by Tim Miller. This is the first film he directed. He is the founder of Blur Studios. That name might not sound familiar, but I would almost guarantee you've seen some of their work. They're the guys who do every cool cinematic game trailer from the 1990s to the 2010s. Um, So if you don't play video games, there are two types of trailers for them. There's gameplay trailers, which Mm. show people actually playing the game. But much more common are things called cinematic trailers, which is like animated trailer for like a movie, like an animated movie. That makes so much sense because this whole movie feels like a cinematic trailer for a video game. Yeah, Yeah, Like I thought like... I was thinking, like, this almost feels like a video game, but not quite. Mm. Then he said that they've been making cinematic trailers, and I'm like, that's it. That's yeah. what this whole movie feels like. Yeah, I think he. it's like a really confident directorial debut for someone who had done no film work before. Yeah. I couldn't find anything about, like, how he was the guy who ended up with the job, like, mm. how the line got to him. But he had been on it for a long time. There was also a Deadpool video game. They were completely uninvolved with it. But, like, <laughs> I want to say, like, a few years before this, which was kind of, like, the most notable the character had been in the mainstream prior to this. 
Um, it was written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who wrote it together. They're the writing team. Uh, they had done Zombieland oh, before this. That tracks. Mm. Yep. Music by Junkie XL, uh, which I was pretty excited about. This thing was made on a budget of $58 million, which you will mm. note is less than they made the original X-Men for in the year 2000. Damn. Wow. It would have needed $118 million to break even. It made seven hundred and eighty-two million dollars. We just do a little, yeah. That's like mm-hmm. they really they hit. That's it out of the one of the greatest returns, one. isn't it? I don't it's know. It be. has like percentage-wise, I think it's one of the highest. Yeah, it is the um, second highest-grossing movie in the X-Men series, and it was at the time the highest-grossing R-rated movie ever made. Sixty-five on Metacritic, running one hour and forty-eight minutes, released. February 12th, 2016. Just in time for Valentine's Day. Because, <laughs> boys, I forgot to mention, this is a love story. Yeah. It was also marketed as a rom-com. Like, they leaned in really that hard. poster that looked wow. like... Like, I mean, on was, Valentine's Day, come yeah. see Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool. Yeah. It was a, a big thing. What so, were some of the other movies of 2016? Some huh? of the other movies of 2016, I am glad you asked. Here are the top grossing films of 2016. Cast your mind back to a simpler time. 2016. A year... <laughs> That at the time, February 2016, February 2016, a year that at the time we thought was the worst year of all time. Yeah. And this really like, I I can remember thinking like, remember when John Oliver blew up the 2016 in a football stadium on his show because 2016 had just like, yeah, but Deadpool saved us. Luckily, Deadpool turned the ship around. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So here are the top grossing films of 2016. Captain America, Civil War. Mm. Um, at $1.15 billion. Maybe the high That's point wild. of the MCU. Civil War was I, 26. I feel like I feel like it was so much longer ago. Uh, Rogue One. Wow. A Star Wars story. Which is number two for the year, number coming off of year. two weeks of being released in the year. Insane. Um, wow. Finding Dory at number three, also ah. one, $1 billion and some change. Zootopia at number four, also $1 Ooh. billion and some change. Mm-hmm. Love the live movie. action Jungle Book, I think, coming in at nine hundred and sixty-six million. Those top five, Damn. all from Disney. This year, t- Disney has all five of the top five highest-grossing films, and they all, except for the Jungle Book, hit a billion. And Jungle Book comes damn close. That's wild. Disney does a run where uh, every single year they outperform themselves to be the movie company that has made the most ever in a year. Holy, <laughs> which starts before this. That's also. By far the best list we've ever had, in my opinion. I mean, I do like Finding Dory. Can we talk about Finding Dory? Can I talk about Finding Dory <laughs> yes, briefly? Yeah, please sure. speak on it. I think people don't think about Finding Dory enough. Like, it's absolutely insane that it Well, happens. it's a pretty forgettable movie. So. Here's the thing. I just want to explain what they did with Finding Dory. <laughs> yeah. The first 10 minutes are like what you think would be the sequel to Finding Nemo. Right. It's where she gets lost, and they go and they see every single thing they did in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like, you see the turtles, you see the seagulls, they go every single point again. The dentist's office. Greatest hits. The next hour is like an indie movie with only two characters, which is about Dory and the <laughs> octopus, played by the guy from Breaking Bad, which is like a huge <laughs> metaphor for rehab, where he's disabled and they're in, like... Right this rehabilitation fish center and it's just the two of them talking in a room for an hour about like pain and overcoming disabilities and dealing with their emotional trauma the last 20 minutes a looney tunes cartoon 
where the fish have to drive an 18-wheel truck across town in order to get back to the ocean. It is so the good. The last 20 minutes the- looks like a, an ad for a mobile game. <laughs> yeah. Where it's just like crazy oh, fish totally drive right. across town. And you you're are like, totally oh. right. <laughs> it is. No, it is an incredible. I am 100% with you. <laughs> the last 25 minutes of that movie kick ass in yeah. a way yeah. that no movie before since has done. Can you imagine being like Finding Nemo, one of the most beloved movies of all time? <laughs> what do we do for the sequel? Take a sharp left <laughs> turn. This is it. Yeah. So, The Secret Life of Pets in number six. Batman versus Superman in number seven. Oh, I take it all back about being one of the best years. Yeah, it's a sharp drop after five. I Finn. remember the trauma I experienced this year. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Oh, no. With, um, with what's her name? Felicity Jones' younger brother. Number nine, Deadpool, which we will. Actually, the movie that we Deadpool are talking cracked about. cracked the top ten. It t- cracked wow. the top ten. It took that famous X-Men spot, number nine, in the top ten. <laughs> uh, I feel like at least three other X-Men movies have hit the number nine spot in the top ten. Yeah. And at number ten, the uh, classic, the, the pinnacle of cinema from 2016, Suicide Squad. Ugh. Ooh. So this year is also a weird year at the Oscars. If you remember, this is the year that two movies won the Oscar. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's right. So this wasn't Oscars So White. Was that the next year? This was Oscars this So was White. This was Oscars So White? I don't know. I mean, they've, it's just a complete I know, disaster. but there was the one where it was like the hashtag. There was, was like the, the one thing. where all four of the main acting categories, there was they were all white people. I think what? that was 2016. It, it would probably be this year because let me let me spell it out for you. Best actress Emma Stone in in L.A. Confidential. Uh, best actor that can't be true. It's uh, La La Land. Oh, it's Emma Stone. It's a good movie. La La Land. I would love to rewatch it. Best actor Casey Affleck in oh, uh, Manchester Kenneth by Lonergan's. the Sea. In Kenner, seen that. Kenneth Lonergan's Manchester by the Sea. Wow. Uh, best director. Damien Chazelle for La La Land, also. Mm. Friend of the pod. Uh, friend of the pod, <laughs> Damien Chazelle. Uh, best pick, Moonlight, and it also won Best Adapted Screenplay. But, of course, this was the year where they came out on stage and said right. La La Land won, and then it was really Moonlight Wild. that won. Um, yeah. All right, so so Chandler, we got a little question yeah, that might. we... I, I know you're a frequent listener, so um, you probably already know what's coming Listen here. every episode at least once. Fantastic. Deadpool. Flop or bop? Oh, I was really worried about this one. It's definitely a bop for me. Okay. Yeah. I I was afraid it was going to be a hard choice, but it's a bop. Right on. Yeah. Wait. Absolute flop. Mm. Okay. This yeah. is a movie that is so, for me, for me, I'm just uh-huh. speaking to myself, so unpleasant to watch. Mm. And then when I'm thinking about it later, I'm like, there are some things I really like and appreciate. Mm-hmm. But while I'm actually watching it, I'm like, this is so horrible. I feel so <laughs> bad about the process of having to look at these moving images entering my brain. That's fair. Emmett, yeah. Deadpool, flop or bop? Bop. Bop, nice. baby. Wow, I didn't expect you to come around. I okay. did not either. Yeah. I hated this movie when I first saw it. Wow. I liked this movie enough. It was definitely like cut my score in half, this viewing. Wow. wow. It's also funny, I find this a lot, that like when I watch a movie and I'll be like, okay, these are like the big things wrong with the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I'll rewatch it several years later and I'll be like, those things don't bug me at all. Mm-hmm. There are a whole other things that bug me way more. Yeah. Like I, f- I remember being like so annoyed by how bad the villain was in this. And this time I was like, mm. he's in three minutes of the movie and he's fine. Right. Like I don't care at all about yeah. him. I think this movie has a lot of little things wrong with it. Mm. Like I think it literally comes down to like 
10 or 20 lines and like five or 10 visuals that I just like groaned at, but also are like what make that like, that's kind of, I don't know. That's what made it for a lot of people at the time. I think the dumb jokes and the gross visuals. So I'm like, well, that's, yeah. they had to have that in the movie. It's just not the part that's for me, but I like most of it. I do agree. A lot of the images are really unsettling <laughs> to yeah. have to sit through and see happen. And like, it's funny. Cause like, the thing we're told is like the horrifying thing visually is like Wade Wilson's face. And it's like not that hard to look at. <laughs> like it's still it's still Ryan Reynolds. He's still yeah. got his eyes it's and his, his smile. Structure. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like I would hate to look like that, but you know, I think Ryan Reynolds would hate to look like me, but he's not gonna vomit at the sight of me. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't, Jim. Oh, You're very attractive, Jim. Oh, stop it. Yeah, you look just like Cam. You're God's perfect idiot. <laughs> God's Jim. perfect. That is a really good joke. I think that weird, like, credits intro is, like, not that funny, but it's worth it for God's perfect idiot. Okay, so like you, you were really worried it was going to be bad. I was really worried yeah. that a lot of the jokes would be punching down, and, like, surprisingly few of them are. Yeah. Like, yeah. surprisingly few of them are messed up Yeah, looking at it now. It's pretty, like, self-deprecating for Wade and also, like, just like mean to people that are truly evil, you know, like it makes fun of the bad guy's name. You yeah. Know? But it's not like, yeah, it's not like low hanging fruit or like racist, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's moments. Yeah. There are a couple moments, but it's like, I could count them on both my hands. Like the yeah. jokes I was offended by. If this movie had been made a year later, it's either a hundred percent better or a hundred percent worse. Am I right? Like yeah. it goes one way, like 2016. I think worse. I think, I think yeah. it would be a hell of a That was the last year I feel like you could do this movie <laughs> and like me right. and like, you know, certain other people who feel certain ways about certain kinds of things in media <laughs> are both like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it's things wild. Things get a lot more divisive after that. Because Deadpool feels like such a thing of Trump's America that this is actually <laughs> like before it, like right. totally removed yeah. from it. I have, yeah. I have something to say about that. Russians? There's Russians all over this movie. There's a guy who looks like Jim Comey. Okay. He's in there in the beginning. I think this movie is prophetic. Okay, it, yeah. I think it called it. It's kind of a parody of like action movies in general. And like action movies since the Cold War have, have Russian have bad had, guys. Oh, that's an interesting, you know, thought. yeah, because it doesn't really lean into it either. It's no, almost it just like matter of fact. Yeah, it's like oh, here's yeah, there's Russians around. Guy. It's yeah. an action movie. Yeah, you know, like it but feels I don't know. like maybe there's something there. Maybe something other than Deadpool has to be funny to for it to like go full on into like the exacting parody genre mm, like yeah. in all the scenes we get without him mm. just if they were even if they were just pushing it farther where you can tell that they're yeah like playing into it i do think like you you said earlier like this is a comedy like that's what's surprising about it you know i actually think this movie is an action movie and yeah. then it's just like got deadpool in it making yeah. jokes but like most of the time no one else in the movie is trying to be funny for the audience's sake except tj miller <laughs> Yeah, he was the best part. He of does try. I we'll talk about T.J. Miller a lot more on Deadpool two, uh, about like the fact that he's very bad as a human right, being. Right. Uh, you just got it's... out of Brian Singer, and now you got to talk about. We've T.J. had ones no. in the middle too. Oh, um, no. So yeah, obviously nothing about the guy personally, but he's great in this movie. Oh yeah, he's my favorite part, mm. or at least I'm not sure if he's my favorite part. He is by far the funniest. Like the only thing that's like consistently funny. Wait, I like to think that you are the T.J. Miller and my Deadpool. I saw myself a little bit in yeah. that role. 
I read a funny quote that said TJ Miller thought he was going to get the part because the description for the character in the cast and the script said he looks like his superpower is he gets mustard stains all over him. (laughs) That's That's pretty good. Okay, something else I want to say is that I think that this movie is one of the rare movies in the series that does feel like it is totally the actual vision of the filmmakers. Mm, Like, I think, uh, like, X2, First Class, and this are the only ones we've watched so far that feel like there wasn't, it wasn't, like, made by the studio, you know? Yeah, that's true. That might be part of why I feel like it will has and will age a little better. Yeah, that is something I like about it. I personally don't like the vision of the filmmaker, mm-hmm. but you can tell that they like did what they were trying to do. Right. Totally right. successfully. I don't like what this movie has to say. I don't like many of the jokes, but I would rather sit down and watch this movie than most of the other movies that we've already watched in this franchise. And that's why like it's a, it's a it's a it's a modified bop for I have me a in, theory. That, in that sense, you know what I mean? I have a theory as to why. Like why this movie works especially probably for you like coming off of uh-huh. being disappointed by the X-Men movies yeah. that you thought you loved. Cuz like in this movie that I see if you guys agree. This movie feels so short, first yeah. of all. Yeah. And in this movie, either like people are dying or people are telling jokes. Mm-hmm. And there's like 30 seconds of romance. Like it is a love story, mm-hmm. but it's that like they're not together for most of it. And even mm-hmm. when they're together, they're making jokes with each other. Yeah. So like every like second to second, something is being tried. Mm-hmm. And I think enough of it hits that you're like, this is fun to watch. Yeah. And if enough of it doesn't hit, like in Wade's case, where you're like, most of this is making me uncomfortable, then it totally misses. I think, yeah. of course, it's a fl- Some movies, the jokes might not work, but it's still fun to watch. Like, yeah. you really just have to, like, like, moment to moment with this movie, is it continuing to work? And if more than 50% of them work, then you're like, yeah, it was fine to watch. Yeah, yeah. It's a very simple, it's one of the, like, simpler movies, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It I mean, really the- is, like, three scenes. Yeah. It feels like that. Yeah. The plot is so simple. The plot yeah. is ex- like extraordinarily simple. Also, interesting, he has e- the exact same backstory as V from V for Vendetta. Right. Like that he like was created in a lab and then he yeah. burned down the lab and he got his face all screwed up. So now he has to wear this mask in exact revenge. But unlike in V for Vendetta, he's funny. I think that Ryan Reynolds does a pretty good job in this. That Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that like he is whipping off those jokes and stuff. Not all of them land, like, but that has more to do with writing than with his delivery, I would say. You can would, tell he just loves doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell he loves how he looks in that suit. Oh, yeah. You can tell he loves how his dumb mouth looks moving around in there. Yeah. <laughs> Which I know is, like, kind of animated sometimes. Like, I don't know. The when eyes are animated. The eyes are the animated. Is it his mouth in that suit? Because it looks like he's always talking with his mouth already open and then it's like gaping further like a Dark Souls boss. Like, I don't know how he articulates those lines in that mask. Did y'all know that the Ryan Reynolds has wanted to play this character ever yeah. since? In issue two of Deadpool and Cable, they said that, that Deadpool's face underneath the mask looked like Ryan Reynolds' <laughs> Sharpay dog. <laughs> and that is like what... <laughs> that's what his face looks like and there's a joke there's two different jokes in the movie about mm. that that is 
That's like yeah. oh yeah, the one about his acting ability got me. That yeah, one was very yeah. good. The Sharpay one makes no sense to me, but I understand yeah. that it's a yeah, it's a reference. That's actually that. something interesting about this character. I think though is like it's a Deadpool's a pretty new comic book character. Isn't yeah, it's it like nineteen ninety one is the first. That's uh, wild. First issue. Of I feel like from the New Mutants. I feel like all the ones that are like and I, I like I said I'm not a comic expert like but like the ones that are big and have like had standalone movies mm-hmm. and are big names. They're like from the 40s or 70s at least. Yeah. This yeah. guy is like 91 and he feels like 90s humor. He's that, it's that Crash Bandicoot, like in your face, like, whoa, whatever. I don't care, man. Yeah, and like Sonic skates away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like, especially what little I've seen of like comics Deadpool is totally just for like edgy neighborhood kids who are like playing with like Beyblades, you know? That's charming. And I think it translated well into this movie. Because they didn't really stick to that. <laughs> he also stands the test of time, which most of those 90 characters don't. Right. Like, even the other comics characters like Lobo or Gambit that were huge mm. in the 90s and also have that 90s attitude. Right. Or like Beavis and Butthead or whatever. Like, nobody right. talks jackass. Nobody talks about those anymore. I think it's partially because Deadpool is allowed to make fun of himself, which allows yeah. him to change. Yeah. Have you guys? I don't know how structured this conversation is supposed to be. Not very. There is like two big things I want to talk about. Okay. One's with the movie and one's with the comics. So since we're talking about comics already, yeah, I want to talk about the one Deadpool comic I've read. Oh, that I believe is called Dead Book Kills the Marvel Universe. Do you guys know this book? The only Deadpool comic I've read. Yeah, it's incredible. You can get it online. Like, you know this? I I read briefly about it in the Wikipedia, but I've not read it. Yeah, the gist is that it's like Deadpool going around and killing all of like the big Marvel heroes. Two big notes for me is how he quote unquote kills Professor X. Is he just like lets Professor X read his mind? Professor X learns he's in a comic book. It breaks his brain and he goes into a coma. You see Professor X like slumped in the wheelchair, like drooling, and he's like, I'm not real. <laughs> and then the bull's like, Yep. Anyways, and just like moves on. Oh, that's I don't even awesome. know if it's explained why he's killing all the Marvel heroes, but it ends with him killing the writers of the comic book. And it's so stupid. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, like of course this is gonna be a movie someday, and it was gonna be I think anytime something gets like as crazy popular as like MCU like Star Wars guys who were popular so you needed Spaceballs you know right. like oh, right. you need not just like a genre pastiche but like we're making fun of this specific franchise yeah. with this movie and the fact that Marvel well not Mar- you know it's a separate company but still kind of like eventually all the money ended up in the same place right so the fact that they're like making fun of it from like the next door studio and then they like bought that studio and they're gonna keep doing it <laughs> Is wild and I hate Disney, but <laughs> yeah, the last shot of this movie is the smoking remains of the MCU. <laughs> Literally, yeah. the last shot of the movie yeah. is like the only wide shot you see in the entire movie, and it's the MCU helicarrier, which the final right. battle takes place on, like turned on its side and broken into and smoking as Deadpool sits on it, making out with his girlfriend. God, which is like the ultimate it's thing. Really good. It's a really good shot too. Yeah. About the comics thing, I think it's interesting because. Okay, maybe for me, the big appeal of Deadpool in the comics is his interactions with the other characters. Yeah. Like Deadpool and Spider-Man. Like, it's funny when he has these, like, very serious, well-known characters, and he's just, like, a lackadaisical character shooting and off of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so... Which I think works pretty well with, like, Colossus and... Yeah. um, 
Is it Negasonic? Is that is it Negasonic Teenage Warhead? What is Negasonic with an N? Yeah. What does that mean? (laughs) Nega is a scientific term from Uh the English language denoting the negative counterpart of a unit or measurement, Mm. such as negawatts. Because in um, video games, they'll always be like Nega Scott. (laughs) It's a name for like the dark alternate version of your character. So she's like like Dark Sonic (laughs) Nuke Girl. I mean, she's cool. She has fires also. She's so cool. She's pretty badass. Yeah, she's cool. And, like, I feel like their interactions, like, even though those aren't, like, established, like, serious characters that, like, where his irreverence really pays off, I think they frame Colossus as, like, the Professor X of this movie. Yeah. And you you mentioned when we were watching it, like, this movie deals with the X-Men with more reverence than any of the X-Men movies. Because, like, that's what makes the Deadpool jokes work, is if, like, everyone else takes X-Men so seriously. Mm-hmm. They have to. But, like, it has to be more, it has to be, like, holy, like, more than in an X-Men movie. If other people look up to the X-Men and their moral paragons and heroes to be admired, like, you see a shot of, like, the uh, X-Men jets rising and flying off, and there's this swooping hero theme playing, and Colossus gets all these speeches about heroes and the X-Men and what they mean. And so, like, all of that makes me feel like the X-Men are so much cooler than any of the X-Men movies make them seem like. And I actually think that's a big part of Deadpool's character in this. So, Chandler. Go on, host. Who is the protagonist (laughs) and what does that person want? Other than Negasonic Teenage Warrior, it's definitely Deadpool. I think it's like, like like in nature with how simple this movie is. He just wants to be with his girlfriend, mostly. Like, that's the biggest thing. And then, like, the more, like, abstract, subtle thing is he really does want to be a good person, but he doesn't want to be thought of as a good person. It's just, like, really, like, it's really set up more in the beginning than, like, as the movie goes on. For sure. I actually think some of the most interesting stuff Ryan Reynolds does in this movie is when he's not. Like, we see that thing where he beats up this pizza guy, which is, like... Just like this, it's lower than street level vigilante justice. And I feel like if you dug into that character, you would learn that he has this like ideology that like we don't need superheroes help or something like that. Like we can all take care of each other. And I think he really doesn't want to be a super anything, much less a superhero. And it's sort of ahead of its time a little bit in that way of like start. Well, I mean, it's right on time because Civil War is 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's right on time to start questioning like are superheroes actually a good thing? Yeah. And it doesn't lean into that. But I think it's there that he's like, I mean, he even says like, nope, I'm not a hero. And that never resolves. Like yeah. it's never. Yeah. I mean, in fact, it does resolve because he, you know, Colossus is giving this speech at the end as he's got the big bad, you know, he's got the gun against his head. He's like, you have four or five moments to decide if you're a hero, trying to get him not to just execute him. And he does. And he's like, yeah, because I'm not a hero. Like, it's really that simple. Yeah. And like, that's how it resolves is that like Deadpool, he's the Merc with a mouth, you know, but like, he's not <laughs> the capital G good guy. Yeah. And so he just like wants his girlfriend and he's a good person, but he doesn't want people to know that. Okay, Wade, I have, I have thoughts on that, but I want to know first, Wade, if you agree, do you think that Deadpool is the protagonist of this movie and what do you think you want? The protagonist is obviously Deadpool because it's yeah. called Deadpool. Um, I really like Chandler's theory and agree with it. I think probably what he wants in this movie is tied into... I think what he wants is to be with Vanessa pretty much the whole time. We we only see like 10 minutes of him before. Honestly, it's just the pizza scene. We see like five minutes of him before he meets her. Yeah, and yeah. I think like all he wants is 
not even like just to marry her, but just like to be with her, to be happy with her, to forever. be just like be in a room with her. That's yeah. and that's an interesting thing because like the relationship we mo- almost entirely just see in their bedroom, and not yeah. even just in a hot way. I mean, there's some sex, but it like immediately becomes one of those relationships which I feel like have been very common for a lot of people this year, where like you just go straight to like just hanging out at each other's bedrooms every day just lounging around it's immediately so casual Uh and i feel like you don't really see it but i think it blows uh wade's mind that he's like in something so perfect uh hmm. yeah i think so too i really like their chemistry in Mm, this mm -hmm. neither of them are like characters i love but i think they are fitted so perfect for each other i think the movie portrays that so well and i think like the actors have such good chemistry for each other yeah that in what is like a comparatively small part of the movie like i don't know what you guys say like maybe 20 minutes of this hour 50 movie is the stuff where they're together and mm-hmm. happy. But I feel like it like roots, that, yeah, yeah. roots the heart of the movie. Yeah. So well. Yeah. I mean, at the end of this movie, like actually got me a little bit because mm. of how well, I would say how well, like the chemistry works between the two of them. And especially because of how well, uh, Miss Baccarin is doing. Mm-hmm. She's incredible. I have much love for her from the Firefly, like have like being in love right. with her for the entire Firefly series. But like she's incredible in this, and I agree their chemistry is really good. I would agree also that he's the protagonist. Deadpool's the protagonist. He wants to be with her. I think it's really interesting that you say he wants to be with her and he wants to be good without being thought of as good. That's a really interesting like part of a character spine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say that part of the reason maybe why like i would i think this is a good movie or like i think this is an, a, a watchable movie at least like in, uh, something that i can like sit down and enjoy watching is that there's a clear protagonist and a clear like <laughs> like a clear desire that yeah. he's that he's per, yeah. like pursuing throughout the he whole he says i want like so many times yeah. and, and it's all about like i want to like kick this guy's ass yeah. so that i can be with back with my girlfriend like yeah. incredible like and never like I, uh, it's very like Mario and the princess. Like it is yeah. like so like one line. Yeah. But but listeners of the show will know we are never able to figure out what the hell Wolverine <laughs> is after in right. movies. <laughs> yeah. In the in the previous X Men movies, we never know what right. any of them. And it's hard to tell like who even is a protagonist in this movie. It's very clear. Um, does he undergo a change per oh, se? Oh yeah, like what? I I don't know. He does. Like, does I, he? Okay. I actually think. Well, sorry. Oh, what change do you think? Well, the change is that he realizes he can be with his girlfriend how he is. Mm. Okay. Like he spends an entire year. So we know we know from the time that they spend a year together. Uh-huh. And then he spends an entire year killing people trying to fix right. his face so he can go back to her. Mm. And the change at the end is like letting her see him as he is uh-huh. and being okay being that version of himself. The yeah. thing is that I think is interesting is like you're you're totally right, but like it's like because he didn't change that she can still accept him and it's still going to work. Cause right. I was thinking earlier, I was like, actually it's kind of weird how like inhuman Ryan Reynolds plays him before like the transformation. he still f- basically feels like the same character. Yeah. Just yeah. a little more unhinged without her and uh-huh. with like being a killer now, mm-hmm. but he was always a killer. He's always just like a little like off beat. But I think that's why, like, it works. Like, he becomes this guy who's doubled his kill count. He's just murdering people in the street. And then he gets the girl. And they're like, oh, cool. We're back. Everything, like, I haven't really changed that much. Yeah. And I actually think, like, that he, like, changes and then changes back, basically. Hmm. The net change for him is, like, just a face. Yeah. Which is kind of cool to do. Especially for, again, how, like, simple this movie is. 
to just have it be as simple as like that conflict of like the thing from Fantastic Four, which right. is usually a barely a side plot, but yeah. now it's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. But it still works because it's just all like toned down to that. Yeah, I totally agree. On like what this movie is doing and like what this movie wants, and this is like kind of to bring it back around to our discussion of like this movie couldn't have been made in the other year but 2016. I do think it is like the either the beginning or like maybe the epitome in in like mass media pop culture of a version of nihilism. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Uh, like the internet version of nihilism. Yeah. Like nihilism for people who don't actually know what nihilism is or nihilism means. for people who learned about it in like middle school yeah, and thought and it sounded like, cool and it yeah, was countercultural like, to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like nothing matters like screw everything like nothing matters yeah death is funny a lot of the like a lot of the deaths in this movie which a good time to bring in the kill count that's oh, 43 wow. in this film that's less so, than i would have guessed that's, it, is le- it is less than that's I about guessed. how many they were on Wade wilson goes into right. the movie with right and we yeah, have like exactly. 41. Oh, yeah. 41 so we see the other he says he's up to like 90 by the end of the yeah, movie i yeah. think we see the other 40 something yeah. in the movie that's funny um but a lot of them, unlike in other movies uh, of the series, where all of the deaths, I'm not saying they're handled in the best way ever. A lot of them are just handled like classic action movie deaths of like mm-hmm. random soldier number three, you know, gets gets fragged by a grenade or whatever. Yeah. But like a lot of them are played for laughs mm-hmm. in this movie. And that is like the thing that was like very uncomfortable for me watching mm-hmm. it the first time around, especially like given the context of I mean I feel like we've kind of forgotten this during the pandemic, but uh, mass school shootings in this country, which like I think sometime during the pandemic was the first month in like twenty years yeah. without a mass school shooting, and I just think like in like that broader cultural context of this country being a gun crazed dystopia where children aren't safe in schools and we prioritize people's ability to go in and buy a gun at Walmart over the safety of children. A movie like this that treats death in such like a flippant, uh, like gun violence in such like a flippant sort of way. Like I'm not here to get into like, Oh, kids are going to like watch this movie and then go shoot up a school. Like I'm not like trying to like, right. I think it's the reverse. Like they're, that's the world they're growing up in. Yeah. They can find it funnier than we do. You see it and you're like, Oh yeah, that's yeah. But I mean, that's really messed up. And I like, I think that this sort of thing and like this tearing down of like everything, I'm not saying the X-Men movies have like set a great example of like what superheroes should be, but in this movie, they treat them as if they did. Right. And then he tears it down. Yeah. I think that there's something to that that is like, if you understand it as satire, if you understand it as like being a joke about how excessive these movies are and like whatever, then that's one thing. But if you go in and you watch this and this is like your first superhero movie. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, one of the first big superhero movies that you really love. And you just take this as the baseline instead of what it's making fun of. Right. And this is a big thing. Like, if you watch Shrek before you know all the fairy tales, you know what I mean? Mm. It's, like, that same sort of... It's that same sort of thing. It's, like, you're always looking at things through a, like a lens of irony and a lens of like, well, well none luckily of this really Shrek matters. wasn't rated R. <laughs> luckily Shrek wasn't rated R. Yeah. But I mean, do you kind of see the, the yeah, strand that yeah. I'm pulling on there? I don't think this is in any way a kid's movie. Lots of kids saw it. Yeah. But like, I don't think they should have. Sure. 
No, I think they push so hard to like make it like we've got an R rating. Like they do all the R rating tropes. Right. Like they go to a strip club. They yeah. have the sex montage. Oh yeah. There are constant beheadings. I wrote that it was weird at the start of this that now in this world, everyone says every other word. Yeah. And like before in every other movie, like you hear it like once or twice, but now it's like right. every single person says it. Um, That's my life thing because I didn't even notice that there were like un, like f words. I mean, I and just I noticed do, that I do we, use the f word a lot, so I just like don't even register it in movies yeah. anymore. I just noticed that because we have been watching all these other movies, right? Yeah, and I was like, oh, this feels very different. Where it's always such a big moment if somebody drops the f bomb. It's like, do <gasps> they in those in those one? And they do, do one each movie. Wow, not at the beginning, but they that becomes like the thing that they'll. They do don't the anymore, do they? Like, Endgame doesn't have an F-bomb, does it? No, in the X-Men movies. It's just in the X-Men movies. That's what, like, differentiates them is they'll do the one F-bomb and they'll have wicked right. butts. Well, guess what? I guess now that X-Men is owned by Disney, we get to see no more of Wolverine's ass and we get no more words <laughs> in movies. So the yeah. the series is really just going to tank. And God willing, we'll get no more bad movies. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Disney doesn't make bad Yeah, movies. Disney has never made a bad film. <laughs> So I was thinking about this a lot watching this movie because I think listeners will know that I'm probably less prudent about violence than Emmett is. Like, I enjoy it on its own merits a lot more in film, and it isn't so disturbing to me just enjoying, like, the choreography. And But it was, like, that was what was really upsetting to me in this movie. Just, like, that you're constantly having to watch, like, guttings and beheadings and impalements yeah. and stuff. It's so not superhero and all of the blood and gore is so low impact. Yeah. Like you see like when Negasonic does the big booms you're like, yeah. That feels like superhero. Yeah. I don't have to look at details. Things are blowing up. I know people <laughs> died doesn't bother me. Yeah. But then yeah. Deadpool just like matter of factly just like cuts a guy's throat open and walks away. It's just like, oh, this is a totally different movie. Yeah. And it's not like dark in a Logan way. It's like supposed to be a joke and it's not funny. Yeah. Usually there's some good gags. When he cuts his hand off and leaves the middle finger behind. That is a good gag. That's yeah. funny. And the baby hand is hilarious. We haven't talked about Al at all. The blind woman he lives oh, with. The, she's, she's awesome. She's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the incredible <laughs> Leslie Uggams from um, Roots and uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. Oh, wow. Like a huge wow. Broadway star wow. back in her day. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. She's great in this. She is really good. Yeah. She's got the last little gun and it's tucked in her sock. <laughs> I love that. That's a good bit, too. I love yeah, it whenever yeah. anybody's like got that one last weapon tucked away somewhere. Right, That's always right. a good bit. And, of course, the taxi driver. Um, Karen Sony right playing Dopinder. Dopinder, yeah. Who's got his, his cousin in the <laughs> yeah. trunk who presumably dies in the car crash. So yeah. He's scot-free with uh, He must have a much bigger part in the second movie because I thought he was a bigger part in this one. But it's just those two quick scenes that feel like improv sketches. I remembered about this movie that he was like my favorite part. I loved him so much. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, he's in two minutes of it. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild. And he has no problem with Deadpool not paying. That's what I love. That it's part like is like, so the least believable part of it to me. <laughs> well, what's he going to do? He's wearing all of his outfit, has swords, yeah, so yeah. many guns. We but he's a, so innocent and sweet. To, to switch gears just a little bit, uh, Wade, do you have any behind the scenes? Yeah, I'd uh, love to talk about it. Uh, drama so us. as you said ryan reynolds fell in love with this character in the early thousands when mm -hmm. he was referenced in one of the comics yes he was trying to make a movie back in 2004 mm -hmm. with david s goyer 
the writer of The Dark Knight. Oh. We talked a little bit about this on The Wolverine because it led to him getting into that. Mm-hmm. But he was trying to make that movie at Fox and then it fell apart because they were doing Blade Trinity, uh, which he was in, and David S. Goyer was directing. So after his appearance in X-Men Origins Wolverine... As Deadpool. As Deadpool. Maybe we should talk about that for a second. Is there anything you have to say about the <laughs> difference between the characters? Right. Um, it's a pretty similar performance. It is a pretty similar performance, except in the latter half of that Wolverine movie, of course, he doesn't have a mouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also, I, I, I think he's so much like wittier and in like an inhuman way in Deadpool. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, people don't talk like that. It's such a character. No, yeah. that's how he talks. He's in, no, like... He is, like... Is it the he's same, in, like, like character minutes. voice? Exactly. Wow. That's yeah. It's the same references in, like, the constant stream. He's Weird. in, like, really, truly, like, five minutes of that movie. Yeah. And it's he's human. So I've seen it. He doesn't have the red suit, but he does have the X, and he has the katanas yeah. and everything. Right. The healing. Weird. But, yeah, he's, like... The wisecracking is exactly the yeah. same. Hmm. Which is part of like why I think Ryan Reynolds is really good in this. He's been thinking about it for a yeah. long time. Right. So they began making this after Origins Wolverine okay. started working on a Deadpool movie. Because this is also set up in the post-credits of that movie, if you remember. Oh, yeah. They cut Deadpool's head off, but the post-credits right. is his body starts to come back together. Yeah. So uh, They're like, this is exactly where we're going to take this <laughs> character. <laughs> a couple months after that, they hire Reese and Wernick, the writers, in 2010, 2011. They hire Tim Miller, and then the movie falls apart after Green Lantern, which is kind of made fun of in this movie, but they were just like... Green Lantern was such a disaster, which is another a DC movie that has Ryan Reynolds as the lead in it, oh. was also, as we, I think, often forget, DC's attempt to make a shared Marvel universe out of the Nolanverse. Like, was their yeah, attempt to yeah. like, uh, connect other superheroes to the Batman Dark Knight universe? I don't universe? think they did it. It was just like the plan that they were going to. Yeah, like they right? were like, we've got this Batman, we've got this Green Lantern, we're going to do Superman, they're all going to connect. Yeah. And then Green Lantern was such a flop they gave it up they were like no a no-go and then they made a test reel to try and impress fox which was animated by uh blur studios and ryan reynolds voiced it uh and fox was like no and they canceled it in 2014 a supportive executive within the ranks at fox leaked the test footage online and fans went crazy and loved it and were like so supportive. And they were like, this is what we want. Mm. I think I remember that like on Reddit and people in the comments like make it. And people like, no, that's never going to happen. That's so dumb. Do you think that'll happen? I watched it. It basically this. was the bridge scene, if I remember right. Yeah. But it was animated. Yeah, that's absolutely okay. correct. Yeah. It's just like two minutes, but it starts with him with the Walkman up on the bridge, and then he oh, yeah, jumps yeah, down yeah. and makes a bunch of quips as he kills the people. He makes the red pants, brown pants joke. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of it is in the actual movie. Obviously, yeah. reshot. But mm-hmm. So when fans online go crazy for it, Fox says, okay, we're going to make the movie. And the internet says, it better be rated R. That's what I really remember. They said they're making the movie, and everyone was like, if this movie's not rated R, boycott it. Like, it was yeah. very serious. Well, that was uh, part of the deal was that Fox would give them a very small budget in exchange for letting them have creative control of the movie, Okay, which is not normally how it works. But they were like, you can do rated R, mm-hmm. you can do it how you want, but we're not going to give you any money. And they actually, two days before production started, slashed the budget by $10 million. Oh, Jesus. They had to take out 10 pages of the script. That was like another... No big deal. Big finale sequence they had to get rid of. Wow. You know, I kind of believe that because it, it feels like this movie wants to go one more place. 
Like they roll mm-hmm. up in this junkyard and you're like, it feels like a like second to last like set piece kind of. I don't know if that's what they cut out, but that's kind of what it's yeah. like you're saying. Mm-hmm. It feels like the fact that it, the ending is just the helicopter like falling over is like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, mm-hmm. I guess. From 2010 on, the writers rewrote the script once every year in order to keep it fresh. But they said that 70% of the finished film was there in their first draft, in that 2010 draft. It has kind of a first draft feel. Yeah, I agree. Ryan Reynolds was really like the keeper of the character, so he had to sign off on everything, like everything in the script. He also improv a lot of jokes. Mm. Uh, The structure of the movie is from the writers resolutely not wanting to do an origin story and Ryan Reynolds resolutely wanting to do an origin story. Mm. And both of them like locked in conflict about that. And so that's why it starts when he's already a character in modern day. Mm. And then you get the flashbacks of all his origin story intercut throughout it. I think that's a good way to handle it. I think it makes this movie feel really fresh. It felt to me also like the structure of birds of prey, which is like a pretty simple story, but made exciting because it's doing all these crazy alternating time frames, mm. jumping back and forth. Um, Fox also wouldn't pay the writers to be on set every day. Not every movie does this, but a lot of movies will have the writers actually on set every mm-hmm. single day to like brush up the jokes or like rewrite anything they feel they need. Uh, and so Ryan Reynolds paid them out of his own pocket. To be there every single day Whoa. of the movie. Wow, that's to cool. rewrite things. What a guy. You you can tell Ryan Reynolds really wanted this movie to work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you could tell back then and like with the marketing and everything. And now like I mean it's he already had a big career, but like it's that's who he is now. Yeah. In a big way. And I think he's completely happy about that. <laughs> like you can just tell when he does do things for this, like marketing or like silly dumb stuff like they did the like recut of deadpool 2 mm-hmm. i didn't even watch that but like he totally just loves the character and just yeah. like loves that it worked i feel like he's like take that hollywood like after 12 years my movie worked you know <laughs> good they, for him yeah I, that's most of what i have this had a crazy marketing campaign as chandler mentioned mm-hmm. um it was just all over the place they broke the fourth wall in every ad they were advertising on tinder and on pornhub They hired Betty White for, like, a lot of advertisements for her talking about how much she loved Deadpool. Um, They did the billing it as a rom-com. It was, like, a classic marketing campaign that, as you said, has now gone on to just be, like, the Ryan Reynolds thing. Right. Like, now when he's in Detective Pikachu or when he's selling vodka, he's playing, like, the irreverence. For April Fool's this year, he made, like, the streaming service that was just one of his old rom-coms. Like, him being Deadpool is, like... He's just, like, this, like, meta actor now. If I can say a couple of negative things about the movie, because I feel like I've been pretty up on it. Yeah, please. And I don't want everyone to think I'm a a sycophant for Ryan Reynolds. Sure. (laughs) Well, one dumb thing um, is, like, I think strippers should probably bring the bouncer if they're going to step out into the dark alleyway to talk to something about an old boyfriend yeah like if that is all the info you have you bring the bouncer or just like don't go like say like well tell him to come inside i'm not stepping into the alleyway in the rain in my like stripper waitress outfit looking at a dark shadow and saying i knew it'd be you (laughs) come on (laughs) you're begging to get kidnapped and she's smarter than that like her character as written in the beginning is like more street is more street smart than that 
Yeah, you they know? they really should have yeah. had to like outsmart, like beat her more effectively than that. Yeah, she does become like such a dumb damsel in distress, which is what we know she's not. Right. Also, like she would go looking for him, right? Like we know that character. Yeah. They make her to be like female Deadpool. Like, yeah. She would not have sat around being sad for an entire year. They kind of make it seem like she cared a lot less than he did because she's like, "Oh, it's my old boyfriend," but like she thinks he's dead, and right. I think that's the other thing is. It seems like she thinks he's dead. Yeah, that's Like, fair. he just went off to die in the woods like a cat, I guess. Yeah. It's stuff like that. Like, this movie is so tropey as a superhero movie, but it doesn't really poke fun of those things. Like, it doesn't right. feel like they're being like, isn't it so funny that the yeah. female characters have no agency and get kidnapped right, every right. movie? Yeah. It's just that they also do that. Yeah. <laughs> also, know? what was Deadpool's plan? Is they're sliding down the helicopter carrier. He's like, I have a plan. And he puts her in the cage. And, like, that, like... We've already talked about how that's dumb. But, like, what was he... Su- he that threw was her the off. Plan. He that just, was the whole plan. <laughs> it was a problem when the cage wouldn't come off the helipad. Have Negasonic just jump in. Like, he already saved her. Like, he already, you know... Yeah. yeah. That whole thing is dumb. Something that feels really weird to me about the movie... I'll just mention this quickly since we were talking about criticisms. Is that there are, like, three moments in the first half hour of pretty exacting violence on black characters... And then those are kind of like the only main characters we see, except for Al, I guess. But that was an element that felt like punching down to me. Like the guys who get beat up at the bar uh, Uh, as the henchmen are like the only black characters we see. You know, I actually like did notice that, which I wouldn't have expected to, but like... They just stayed on his face for so yeah, long. So he just kept getting yeah, punched like over very, and over. It's very weird in that bar scene. I think especially. it would have been weird even if he weren't black just to like watch just the face get hit. Not even yeah. like the wind up and the punch. But yeah, I think there is kind of that element too. Especially when like there's like yeah, no totally named agree. black characters in this movie. Yeah. The only like. Except for Al. Uh, she's blind. So I don't know what, you know, what race she is. But um, <laughs> and like also like the other like main character of color is like the like taxi driving like yeah for sure you know should we talk briefly about the continuity of this and the other x-men movies yeah i was trying to figure out when this takes place because it's never explicitly said there were a couple clues one of which was flow rider playing in the club for me okay and the use of cell phones and also the fact that teenagers were on twitter and not just bitter old men so I think that that <laughs> illustrates like that it's around contemporary, like it's around 2016. Yeah, for sure okay. it is. I think. I, yeah, yeah. I think it's. I don't think there's anything like period about it, and like I'll say like he asks like, "Is this McAvoy or, or yeah. Stewart?" I think like from the tone of like you've talked about how like much reverence they give to the X Men, it's definitely Stewart. Like Colossus <laughs> is talking like Patrick Stewart does as Professor yeah. X. Yeah. You know? Like these speeches and like the importance of everything. It's like, yeah, this is definitely Stewart's. Yeah, Stewart's. Stewart. And I think I think it's definitely just like a modern movie too. I don't. Yeah. Uh, so we have to remember that in the new timeline, uh, the only things that we know so far now that are canon that this would have to line up with are the opening of Origins in 1845. Mm-hmm. First class in 1962. Okay. Days of Future Past in 73. And then the end timeline in 2023, which I guess would be like about four years, four four to five years after this, we know we will end up at that version of the X-Men mansion. But there's that whole gaping place between the 70s and that that is 50 years to fill in with whatever. Mm. Okay. Oh, something else about the Uh X-Mansion. 
it was clearly just the internal was filmed in like a producer's house. Like yeah, it was kitchen. just a kitchen with a TV <laughs> on the counter, just like taking up as much space as it could. <laughs> it's great. We got the external shots of what's probably a castle in Scotland, and then my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, the like watching The Mandalorian has conditioned me to think a lot about the budget of things. Right. Um, and so this was like very similar in that it always has the tight angles, like it never pulls back. Right. It's always like one right. corner of a room you're looking at. And then there are like 40 bad guys, but you only see four of them at a time. <laughs> like there are never more than one of them in the same uh, shot. Oh yeah. Like the big bad guy's plan at the end, he was like, we'll make sure there's nothing left for him to heal. So you're thinking like, oh, he's going to nuke him or something. Yeah. No, he meant we're just going to shoot him many times. We're just going to have more people kill <laughs> Which him. Which is like what did – he has less people at that fort than they had on the street. I'm positive. Yeah. yeah. I'm positive it was less people. I see, you see like seven. So it's like what are you talking about? I know you're just like some criminal guy. Like he says clearly they're not the government. That's important oh, I yeah. feel like. They're like, this is not a government bad private movie. Agency. This is a private, private industry pharma. bad movie. Uh-oh. I think that's important. Yeah. But then he's like, I'm going to have nine dudes shoot you. I'm not even going to use any of my super slaves that I bragged about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the – she doesn't Carano. even have a name. She just punch hard. Gina Carano. Yeah, name. I can remember the yeah, character. Speaking name. of the Mandalorian, yeah. yeah, it makes you wonder if it's like a Weapon X thing where he's where like Deadpool is the only one who survived successfully oh, yeah, and maybe. gotten the powers. So like the '90s thing politically was that it's like lame to care about politics, mm-hmm. like the lamest thing in the world. You know, like people were always like making fun of like Green Greenpeace and the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. Like nobody cared about the presidency. Clinton was the president. He played jazz and ate KFC. It was like. <laughs> The right. lamest thing in the world is someone who actually cares about politics and actually buys into it. So I feel right. like that's that 90s energy that Deadpool was born out of. And yeah. it feels like he kind of has carried that like mm. apolitical, don't believe in the government thing forward. Hmm. And it's, I feel like there is a lot politically in how this movie was received and like how it kind of came to become like the conservative fever dream of like being a troll on Twitter to everyone and like being a reverend debate me, bro, you know, did it though? Really? Like, does that, it's not like Pepe level, you know? Yeah. 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 It's it's not exactly white nationalism yet, but (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I don't really like when it came out. Yeah, sure. Like people like that, like latched onto it. But I think also just like a lot of people latched onto it. It was an incredibly popular movie. I don't feel like it's had that like racist staying power that a lot of other media does. Yeah, I don't think it's like you have to be embarrassed. But I think I actually think a much closer comparison is Rick and Morty, where mm-hmm. you kind of have to yeah. ask, like, yeah, for sure. Is yeah. the piece of work responsible for how horrible its fans are? Right. Or like 21 Pilots, like something that's good and enjoyable. <laughs> Wait, have you guys heard of 21 Pilots? But has like horrible fans. Like you say that, but I can't really think of examples of people that like got so into it. Like, I guess there's an online thing, but. I think that it's less of that they are like so enamored with Deadpool and love Deadpool as a character. I think it's more that like in the Trump era, the stereotype or like the big thing for the conservative is to be like on Twitter, calling everyone out all the time, dismissive of everything, like funny and fourth wall breaking and like, sorry, did that offend you? It is. I guess that's the Deadpool thing. Right. It is like you were saying, this is not 
this is not uh, Deadpool's in Trump's America. It's Trump is in Deadpool's America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is just like that style. Uh, and just a couple more things in the continuity section for uh-huh. me. Uh, Colossus shouldn't be that old from how we've seen him. Because presumably Colossus would be the same person. Because Colossus we see in the end. We see in Days of Future Past a much younger Colossus a few years in the future from mm. this. So that's a little weird. Yeah, it is weird. I think the way to write it off is just that it's a different character. Like, characters all the time in comics have the same name. That's true. And are the same Colossus. I think that's the easiest way. You could say, I mean, we don't hear him speak in 2023 in Days of Future Past. So, like, it could be the same guy. But So I think we've now gotten to the part of the episode that is titled, in my notes, Wade's Quiz. Oh, wow. Yes, I thought Let me close my notes for this. I don't want to cheat. I would bring a little game. Wow. A little quiz. Uh, so in the spirit of this movie, Deadpool is very irreverent. Uh-huh. And And in, in the movie specifically, the funniest thing is bad movies from uh-huh. the 2000s and 2010s. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play a little game I like to call Deadpool or Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In, in this game, okay. I will read a quote uh-huh. that it will either be uh, word for word from a comic iteration oh, of Deadpool. Okay, okay, it won't okay. be from the movie we just watched, okay. from him in the comics. Or it will be from uh, what sounds like, from these quotes, the awful 2010 <laughs> film Hot Tub Time Machine. Wow. That's a that's an amazing game. That, I'm really excited. For I'm this. so stoked for this. Are you guys ready? Yes. Um, yeah. The winner will get an ice cream cone. <laughs> we'll get an ice cream cone. Hell yes. <laughs> We're gonna start off with some easier ones. All right. Okay. All right. Quote number one. All right. I gotta take my clothes off and get in a hot tub with these guys. <laughs> okay. It's like you said, you're starting easy, but who, who gets it first? Yeah. How does this work? Um, Chandler can go first because he's our guest. Okay. I mean, I feel like Hot Tub Time Machine. Okay. I'm going to say Deadpool. Okay. All right. It's from Hot Tub Time Machine. Wow. That's one win for Chandler. That was really smart of me. Number two. You should know I'm undefeated against opponents with nose rings. Deadpool. Yeah, it feels like Deadpool to me. That is correct. It is Deadpool. Another point for both. All right. Number three. If that guy doesn't lose his arm soon, I'm going to take it from him myself. I don't know if they cuss in Hot Tub Time Machine. Is that cheating to ask? Like, is there cusses as the F word in that movie? Well, both. Uh, the, it could be from either could of them. Could be from so, either of them. I don't think it's smooth enough for Deadpool. I think it's Hot Tub Time Machine. Emmett? Deadpool. It is Hot Tub Time Machine. What? Another nice. point for Chandler. It wasn't enough of a joke for Deadpool. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not that all Deadpool jokes are good, but they sound like jokes. <laughs> uh, next quote. Here's a question. Was it morally wrong for me to exploit my knowledge of the future for personal gain? Perhaps. Here's another question. Do I give a That's Deadpool. I don't know. That one's hard, though, because they both do have time travel. Mm-hmm. They do. But it does feel like that irreverent work with the mouth. I'll say Deadpool. Both wrong. Oh, it's Hot Tub Time Machine. Damn. Okay, six more. So it's anyone's game still. Okay. Okay. I'll never look at a nun. What's the score? Checking in. Scorekeeper, what's uh, yeah, the score? Yeah, we have six more to go. The The score is right now Chandler 3, Emmett 1. But as I said, Thank you. this is anyone's game. Sure. There's Still take it back. a lot of ground to cover. Okay, well, hostility from my opponent, but. I'll never look at a nun with anything but fear in my heart from now Deadpool. on. Deadpool. Nun joke, gotta be Deadpool. <laughs> Come on. Hot tub time machine. 
It's Deadpool. Yeah. You said none and I knew. <laughs> okay. If I wanted to kill myself, I'd kill myself. I'd be awesome at it. I'd take a shotgun right to my Well, I feel like that can't be Deadpool. Yeah. Unless it's a different character or he's Wait, yeah, yeah. joking to... around. or I'm still going to say HTTM. Yeah, HTTM. A point for both. Hot Tub nice. Time Machines. Nice. Again, I think you're right. It's like it's not as smooth when yeah. it's yeah, there's yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just aggressive. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like we're cussing now. I am confused by you morally, psychologically, and hormonally. Uh, Quote number seven. Do you want to guess first? I, I I'm feeling I'm feeling t- TM. I'm Hot feeling Deadpool. Time machine. Deadpool. It's Deadpool. Ooh. Okay. A win for Emmett. It's Catching close. It's me. getting close. We've got three more, and it's three to five. Do you have any idea how many STDs I could have? That feels like a hot, like a hot tub specific joke. So I'm mm. going to say hot tub time machine. Hot tub time machine. Both wrong. It's from oh. Deadpool. Damn. All right, number nine. How could he get an STD? I feel like his body is just like locked in disease wise. <laughs> number nine. What happened to me is I got stabbed in the face with a fork. I saw it coming. I avoided it. I didn't avoid it. Actually, it happened to me in a different way. That's bad writing is what it is. <laughs> Would you read that again, please? Yeah. What happened to me is I got stabbed in the face with a fork. I saw it coming. I avoided it. I didn't avoid it. It actually happened to me in a different way. I want to say Deadpool, but I don't feel like Deadpool would talk that much about getting stabbed in the face with a fork. <laughs> doesn't seem like it'd be significant to him. And if he'd been stabbed in the face with a fork, a character later wouldn't be like, hey, what happened to you? <laughs> I'll say Hot Tub Time Machine. Deadpool. It's Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, that clinches it, man. <laughs> Pulling All right. away. Well, you can still save face here with number 10. Um, this line is performed to the tune of the classic song, Bad Boys. Oh. Time cops, time cops. <laughs> what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah, I think so. It's Deadpool. Oh! Ding, ding, ding. And we have a winner. It is Chandler. Nice. With six points to Emmett's three. Wow. Chandler is the master of Hot Tub Time Machine versus Deadpool. Haven't seen the movie. Have only read one of the comics. I'm in, baby. (laughs) Wow. Well, to run through one of our other segments very quickly. This film did not pass the Bechdel test. It actually did not have any scene where a woman spoke to another woman. Whoa! Not just about not just about the subject, but um, no scene featured more than one speaking female character. That's crazy. I mean, Wild. like it is one of those where like you basically have the main guy on screen the entire movie, but not quite. You could have had Vanessa talk to her female stripper boss for two seconds. Yeah, you know? for real. That just had to be another guy. That's yeah, interesting. For real. It's also that Cara Dune goes and fights Colossus and like right. isn't even around yeah. Vanessa at the also, end when they do that. Has yeah. a- has a wardrobe malfunction while fighting Colossus. That was pretty funny, though. Yeah, I thought that was. <laughs> when Colossus what a goes, beautiful you're beautiful women. <laughs> you're beautiful. <laughs> um, you know, as as a frequent listener, uh, you may be familiar also with this next question here, Chandler. We're going to look up the MVP OTDP, the <laughs> the most valuable player other. Than Deadpool. Other than Deadpool. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Do I go first? Yeah, you go yeah, first. You you first. I mean, it's actually really tough because I feel like all of the side characters do a lot of work in this movie. Mm. I think a lot. I think the side characters are what made this movie age well for me. 
because the Deadpool humor is sort of can get tired, but like the side characters are just like funny sitcom characters. I think Al is probably my favorite, even though I think she does the le- the least amount of work for the plot. Mm. Al's my MTV, MTV <laughs> Your life. MTV video <laughs> yeah, video. Yeah. <laughs> okay. my, my CMV music video awards. All right. Wade, who is your MVP OTDP? No love lost in the guy personally, but it's TJ Miller. He was kind of like, I love Karen Sony as Dopinder too, but he was like the only one who was really consistently nailing the jokes. Yeah. Like almost everything he said I thought was so funny. It kind of feels when he's in a scene, it feels like his movie. Yeah. Like he wrote it or something. Like it yeah. feels like it was written like very much for him. Yeah. He has such control of the material. He has a couple of jokes I love. The first time I laughed in the whole movie was, I think, the excellent joke where he's like, that guy wants to talk to you. Might advance the plot. (laughs) I also love later when he's like, I would come with you, but I don't want to. (laughs) He's so funny. He does so good. Um, The shot of him where it's him and Deadpool like walking down the street, he looks more like a real person than anyone in a superhero <laughs> movie ever has. Like he really looks like just anyone you would see right, on the street. Right. Emmett, who's your MVP OTD? I'm going to go with old uh, Colossus over here. Mm, I think mm. he is probably like, I, oh yeah, he's very funny. He is very, like him being serious. You need a good... You need a good straight man to play against, like, the comedy wisecracking of Deadpool. And I think every scene where they're together and it's, like, the two of them clashing Mm -hmm. in their just, like, totally different styles. Like, when Deadpool's talking to the camera and he says, I'm over here or, like, something like like that is just, like, it makes it all work better for me. And, uh... I love a good Russian accent too. Oh, for sure. Like, and it is a good, right? It's it a is good, a good, thick, thick. soupy Russian yeah, accent. Yeah, I mean, he's it really, sounds like he has like a cigarette yeah. in his mouth. Oh, like he's in really, his mouth. Like, yeah, not smoking it. Yeah, he's, it's just like. Yeah, it's certainly the, uh, better than uh, Kenneth Branagh in uh, the oh God, Christopher Nolan classic do? Tenet. Oh, oh my God, does he do Russian in that? He's a Russian arch villain. I don't think that Kenneth Branagh even has a good British accent. <laughs> there, I said it. The foremost British actor of our time, dude. Gary Oldman is an incredible actor. Gary Oldman has a better British accent than Kenneth Branagh. Like, it's uh, just well, the truth. I'll accept that. Have you guys heard Christian Bale's? real voice every time i do it's shocking Isn't to me he australian no he's british <laughs> he british okay that's wild he played doesn't he play brit in the ford v ferrari movie it uh, sounds maybe. so fake i wonder if he's one of those that had to like relearn who is the bit that playing was... Americans since forever since yeah. newsies where he's like seven yeah. so <sighs> yeah there was someone who like famously had to like relearn their like native accent i can't remember mm. who it was maybe it was kind of <laughs> I mean, that would explain it. He is the American psycho. <laughs> uh, Chan, at the beginning, you yeah. said you had two points you wanted to make one about the comics and one about the movie. I just want to make sure you yeah. made the second one about the movie. Though the second point about the movie is just I wanted to make sure that it landed for the audience that I'm I, I felt that I was going to have to defend this movie more. I thought both y'all were not going to like it. So you I, picked this movie. I did pick this movie. I've been defending this movie for a while. Not because I think it's incredible, but I think it's pretty good. And I also think it's super important. And that R rating is a big part of that for me. But we did touch on that. 
I just want to make sure everyone knows, because y'all are going to get to Logan soon. And you, you confirmed this the other day, I think. You don't get Logan without Deadpool, right? You certainly don't get it rated R. You don't get it that good. Yeah. So, and I think just like rated R movies in general have had a real return. Like you guys have been talking about how like it used to be like adult dramas, not necessarily like rated R, but mm-hmm. like I think they're making a comeback partially just as like our generation grows up and is going to movies ourselves, but also just like studios are seeing that our rating can make money again, which is ironic as ratings are starting to not even matter because all movies are coming out digitally anyways and like go on kids Netflix and everything will be good. Everything else is for me. Everything else is for mommy. But my point is I think this is like a real risk of a movie and financially it paid off and culturally I think it actually has a bigger impact than it seems like it does. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it has been explicitly stated that this movie leads to um, Logan – Deadpool 2, Venom, which was made to be rated R, but ended up PG-13, but was greenlit so it could be R. Mm. Um, Joker, Birds of Prey, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And like there's some of those movies I like and some of them I don't, but I think it's a good thing that they are making R-rated movies. And that's all because of this movie. And Deadpool even does the intro to Logan, which I feel like a lot of people forget. But he does that little short, which feels like a, you're welcome. Now go enjoy all the other gifts I've given you that you'll <laughs> like better than me. Because Logan is just a, ah, such a good movie. It's way better than Deadpool. But you don't get it without Deadpool, so you have to thank Deadpool. Yeah, but, I agree. Yeah. Last couple thoughts on like this. Like it or not, SJWs. <laughs> I like that you called yourself Mommy in that. Where you said it. You watch I'm, Kids Netflix, everything else is for Mommy. Smashing those gender norms. I just have one last Quip to get into here before we uh, mm. do our do our little outro. Is Quip your sponsor? Quip is guys... our sponsor. Get wow, Quip great. and um, <laughs> please sponsor us. Please give us lots of money and free toothbrushes. We haven't brushed our teeth in years. We haven't brushed our teeth in years. <laughs> I just want to say that I think when there's that montage of all the ways they're torturing him, yeah, uh, that's just all the different methods they actually used at Gitmo. And there's a Basil Fawlty joke wow. in this There movie. is a Basil Fawlty joke in reference this movie. to the classic British TV show that you will like so much better than the X-Men. It is called <laughs> Fawlty Towers. I believe it's all available for streaming somewhere. It's pretty funny. I watched it when I was a kid. I'm sure there's stuff that yeah. doesn't age well. The joke doesn't really make sense at all. I it think Ryan no Reynolds sense. or the writer just wanted to show off that they watch British sitcoms. Yeah. I mean, you can't ever get enough of Sir John Cleese. Chandler. Yeah. Um, do you have any upcoming projects, um, <laughs> any plugs, any social media? Where can people find you, follow God, your no. work? I have absolutely nothing going on. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> my, I mean, my users are all, like, if you search Chandler Pennington, I'm there. My parlor is, I believe, uh, Deadpool69420. <laughs> uh, you can check me out there. By now, you should be able to see me in the non-essentials, as well as friend of the podcast, Jay. Yes, from our X-Men. From the last time we talked about Deadpool. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't actually know where we'll be able to be found. I'm not even going to say anything about it. Watch it if you want. Cool. Cool. Any other comments, questions, concerns that this film left you with? I just want to say that at one point in this movie, my favorite line, Deadpool says, Give him the business. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Chandler. It's been Thanks a pleasure having here. you. Um, we really appreciate you having this nuanced. Yeah, and, uh, sure. Be like Deadpool. Wear a mask. 
I was thinking that if this was in 2020, like, his big problem would be solved because no one would see most of his face. Right, yeah. You just see those eyes and that flat top. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. He yeah, could also he could just wear, wear a like, gauze, wig. you know? Like, if you're walking around head-to-toe in gauze, no one's going to say, sir, I need to see your, see your face for the camera. Yeah. But then again, own who you are. Our guest who's coming on for Deadpool 2 to talk about the sequel, Laura. Is that me, next week? or uh, No, that's okay. a few down the road. She sent me her notes from watching this movie. Okay. Why did I forget Deadpool's name is Wade? Hmm. Bartender friend guy is good. I hope he is in the next movie, which I have seen but have forgotten. <laughs> I want to be a mega sonic teenage warhead. She is my fashion inspiration. Hmm. Ugh, why? Close my eyes count. Nine. Cara Dune, heart. Without the attempts at comedy, this would genuinely be a horrifying movie. It might still be. It is. I want to throw up. Smiley face. His friend is good funny. All the other funny in this movie is bad funny. Okay, Mrs. Magoo, also heart icon. Um, Mrs. Magoo? That's what he calls what Al. What he calls Al. Oh, okay. I like the animated unicorns. Mm. This last long battle is pretty sick. We need to buy Hugh Jackman masks for the pod. <laughs> I recognize that this could be considered a good movie to some, but not to me. Mm. Well put. That well last put. point is about where I fall on it, too. Un- I, I would say I recognize this movie can be a bad movie to some, but not yeah. to me. Yeah. Like, I totally get it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would on the rewatch. I would call this a Schrodinger's movie. It is mm. both bad and good. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, we didn't bring up. The one thing we have not brought up is him, the girl making a Star Wars joke. Speak on it. Who? When is that? Early uh, on in the movie. Yeah, the oh, tra- I wrote down that was the yes. dumbest joke. I, yeah. May I? Yes, please. So she says... Uh, what, I don't remember what the reference is, but she makes a joke. She makes a Yoda joke. Yeah. Like, right around on my back. And then he's like, oh, Star Wars joke. Which, like, first of all, is like feels just like, oh, my God, a girl making a Star Wars joke? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. maybe that's not what it is, but that's what it feels like. And then yeah. she's like... Ah, Empire, which is like, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's a dumb, like, that's it's Star a, Wars. Yeah, it is. Shut, and that feels like being like, oh, the girl one up to the guy on the Star Wars. Yeah, but she you, knew which Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But it's like, just like, just do it. Like, just have her make a, a Star better, Wars joke. That have was her make fine. a better Empire joke. Yeah, than that, than. or even the joke itself was whatever. It's like the commentary on it. Yeah. On commentary is like, oh, you're And then he's a like, hole. oh, you're so perfect. It's like, yeah, it's I like created it's, you in a computer. Oh, yeah. It's such a trope of guys like falling in love with girls because they're also into Star Wars. And we genuinely know people like that. I'm, it's not these two. Maybe uh, you guys like went through when, a phase um, like that, but I can think of a couple other people. When Monica wears the Princess Leia bikini in Friends. Right. Like, that was yeah. such a thing. I don't know how Star Wars has become like the reputation of it. <laughs> Maybe less so now, but especially after the prequels, was that it's like a thing for geeks and for dorks. Right. And it's like it is the most popular franchise ever made. Yeah. It yeah. is the most beloved part of the monoculture, the most popular Except American film. for kind of the one that they're joking, the this movie, not this movie, but like Marvel is right, kind right. of past it. So it's actually a little bit punching down, <laughs> but just a little bit. Um, he also makes the joke at the top of like, 
every woman in the audience just turned to their boyfriend and said, I thought you said this was going to be a funny movie or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Like yeah. as though no woman would watch this movie of their own right. volition, which maybe he's right. That said, it but does sound do like think... Laura turned to you and said, I thought this is going to be a funny movie. I just also want to say, this is a, a, a story that I just remembered. The first time I saw this movie, I movie hopped to watch this movie. I would never pay money to watch this mm. movie. I had watched Hail Caesar, an incredible, hmm. n- an underrepresented classic by the Coen brothers, in which Josh Brolin gives a, like a pretty incredible performance, and we see the kid who will eventually play Han Solo also give like a a, a scene or two that are just brilliant. Playing Indiana Jones. Playing Indiana Jones, yeah. Communist uh, Channing Tatum is always... Oh, so... He, yeah. And he's like... Come a around tap anytime, dancing, A tap Channing. dancing communist yeah. Channing Tatum. It's, oh, it's brilliant, brilliant. Mm. But I'd watched that, and then I was like, well, I don't want to go home, and Deadpool is in this same side of this theater. So I just scuttled on over to Deadpool and watched it and was like, well, glad I didn't pay money. Less communist, more red. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this in theaters on opening night, actually. I was in Chicago at the time, and I lived next to a movie theater. So I'd see movies all the time. And I was like, I'm not going to see Deadpool. I don't care. And then I was like, well, I have nothing else to do. So I saw it at the 10 o'clock <laughs> showing, which was good because it was not the people who cared enough to be mm-hmm. at the 7 o'clock showing. Mm, yeah. But the people who were like on the up and up enough to get a lot of the jokes in the movie. Mm. So it was like a really fun energy in that screening, I remember. And that actually is possibly why I was a little bit higher on it then. I think I watched this movie for the first time with my family, which is whack. I can't imagine them liking this movie, but I think they did. I might have liked it better watching it with not family. That might have actually been why it held up better than I remembered. Because I didn't feel awkward about all the jokes. Give them the business. Give them the business. It also feels like the prime audience of this movie is... Like thirteen-year-old sneaking into it, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't do like a and if you snuck in, blah blah blah, kind yeah. of a side joke. Maybe yeah. there's legal problems there. Yeah, maybe so. And it's it's inciting. They did. Oh, I actually haven't said my favorite thing about the movie. Okay, my absolute favorite thing about this movie is that the stakes of it are just whether or not Deadpool will stop calling the villain a nickname. That's it. That is it on the line. I love that That so much. And I'm not one of these people preaching from the rooftops about the world dying. I think Mm. those are actionable stakes, but I love it. It's not quite (laughs) Ant-Man and the Wasp level of like not even having a bad guy, but it is like such low stakes. Yeah. And it works so well. And I love that that's the only thing the bad guy cares about. (laughs) I love the, like, I'll spell it out for you. And then he (laughs) spells the name out in bodies. I also love the counting the 12 at the beginning. Like, that is such a fun action scene. Oh, I'm actually a little surprised you like that. Because that's some gruesome comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's gross. It works, but, like, it's... But Shocking. that's the sort of fun stuff I like. Like, I love the Kingsman's movies, right. which are so hyper-violent, yeah, too. But, like, yeah. this didn't work for me just because it's so much, like, looking at the blood and guts without as much stylization. Yeah, it is, like, weirdly played down for yeah. how much just is happening. But at the beginning where you're counting them and you're, like, going along with them, like, they set up, like, there are 40 guys. He has 12 bullets. Yeah. They have to share. <laughs> like, that is so cool. I love that bit. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that it is extremely high stakes it's just a over a really stupid thing and that's why it works (laughs) i would say the well i don't know i feel like the joke is the conflict is very low stakes they take it they're willing to do intense 
But are they? Like, all he's trying to do is kill one person. <laughs> like, he's not trying to stop the world. He's not trying to hurt more people. He's just trying to kill Deadpool but, because Deadpool won't stop calling him Francis. But stakes don't have to do well, with... Well, really, because Deadpool to... wants to kill him. Like, <laughs> that's what I think his main motivation. But, like, this is the whole thing that I think superhero movies get wrong and, like, this kind of gets right, is that stakes don't have to do with quantity. They have to do with how intensely you feel the thing. And he, for him, being called Francis is super high stakes. It, like, it matters so much to him. That's different than... Yeah, it's high stakes, but there's like an irony to it. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah. It is like pretty well done, I think. Yeah. But like, what will happen is either he will stop calling him Francis or he will continue calling him Francis. <laughs> like, the villain is willing to bring in 40 people and spend right. the entire budget of the film on <laughs> one last battle to kill him. So he will stop calling him Francis. Yeah. But the outcome is one of those two things. Fair. And that's my absolute favorite thing about this yeah. movie. My absolute least favorite thing is the jokes. <laughs> All of that being said, I would like to see you... Uh, Spackled Muppet farts on the flip side. <laughs> so next up, we will be doing the epic third installment in the decade's quadrology, X-Men Apocalypse, starring the impeccable... My favorite working actor. Oscar Isaac. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's all you need to know about that movie. Anything else would be a spoiler. Not going to talk about how there's so many blue people. And we're not going... Uh, this is That was my least favorite thing about this movie. No blue people. Stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcast. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes this podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp. And our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.